Hello, and welcome to the Lofty Entrepreneur Podcast. I am Tamisha Coffey, aka The Lofty Entrepreneur. Thanks for joining me. As always, we are providing the best tools, tips, advice, and inspiration for aspiring entrepreneurs and new entrepreneurs out there. So if you haven't already done so, click now to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Today's show is part of a special series I'm doing with some of my fellow co-authors of the book, The Fearless Entrepreneurs, Fear Less, Be More. Now, today I'm chatting with Mark Ledlow, host of the Fearless Mindset podcast and owner of Ledlow Security. Thanks for joining me, Mark. How are you doing today? Great. My apologies for the technology lapse that uh, we got here, and uh, now I'm home. I'm here at the picnic having a chat with you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so we have to be real careful today because I don't want to give away everything that's, you know, in your chapter. Your chapter is, let's just say, um, I had had me a couple of tissues, you know, you, you hit, on, hit on some heartstrings, you know, for me personally as well. We'll get into that a little bit. Um, there, and there were definitely some things that stood out to me before we jump into that. I want to know just a little bit, just, just give them a little bit more about you and kind of your background as, as an entrepreneur. Uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned entrepreneur because when I was in the Marine Corps, I never envisioned me now ever. If you had told me I'd be owning a business and gone through two, two, three different partners and a couple divorces with business partners and be right, be co-authored in a book and running a successful security business and have a podcast, I would have told you you're crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of amazing. And um, I think that was one of the things that was interesting to me with your story is that like it, I, I did not enter entrepreneurship, you know, just saying, oh, I, you know, that's all I want to be when I grow up. Um, you know, for me, it was more of a um, life turned me down this path. And, you know, I just held on, you know, for the ride. And so, um, you know, I, I, I just think it's really interesting when you find those people, because I think most people think that everybody has everything planned out when when they are entrepreneurs and when they step into it and that's just really not the case and and in some cases like in yours um it was kind of part of an eye-opening experience that kind of led you to that so tell, tell me a little bit about that um you know you kind of touch well you touch on it heavily uh, when you when you kick off your chapter in the book the motivation i think uh for me in entrepreneurship was probably uh, having friends that were um, entrepreneurs and uh, they just showed me a different world that I didn't know existed, you know, because my track was, I was going to become a cop in Southern Oregon. I think I thought about being a SWAT guy, you know, and I worked corrections, juvenile corrections of all things, which is the hardest corrections you could ever work because, you know, the kids, you know, they kind of beat off each other in prison or youth, youth corrections. So I got a taste of that, but I knew that wasn't my end. I knew for some reason in my gut, I knew there was something much better beyond law enforcement for me, corrections. And I'd be working nights, graveyard shift, I think, and I'd be online studying bodyguards, you know in Southern California. And then fast forward that, you know, I jumped in, you know, the corporate America after I got out of college, thinking I'd be a corporate guy, very successful in corporate America and sales, business development stuff. 
but the 2008 market crashed and like I had to reinvent myself, overcome and adapt. And that's something I learned from the Marine Corps. And I pivoted and I was like, you know what? Let's leave Southern Oregon. Let's go try LA. Everybody told me, you have lost your mind. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Why would they just, I mean, Oregon and LA, quite different, I'm sure, but you know if you think about it most people that live in southern oregon are retirees from la and so some of my good friends were from la they go you're gonna move to where oh no son no you're not gonna do that no no (laughs) Uh, don't ruin your life i'm like but there's so much opportunity and you know i did my research and stuff and the bodyguard thing just became appealing and uh um it was interesting i just went interviewing down there and and then some friends of mine were in the Hollywood circuit, so mm-hmm. I did a little bit of stuff in Hollywood. I, being the military guy, I had some technical skill sets that the military Hollywood liked by being in a Marine. So I boom jumped into that. Next thing you know, I'm being featured in all these TV shows in dress blues, and uh, worked a little bit of SAG stuff, SAG after a member. But while I was doing that, I was looking for something full time. No, did I want to become an actor? No, I knew the reality for me at my age was 100%. I would never be a, an A-list celebrity actor. I just knew it. Mm-hmm. I just It was not in my DNA to live in my car, be homeless, do yeah. auditions, and try to become the next Brad Pitt. I just knew in my heart that wasn't me. I just knew it, but it was something fun to do while I was in my journey trying to find my way. And then, you know, opportunities to come, come up in the security world and a lot of networking, a lot of uh, stuff that I learned in corporate America. I started applying that when I was in LA mm-hmm. just to start networking the heck out of uh, my name and started working a lot of weird jobs and uh, working high net worth individuals. And next thing you know, I'm protecting dignitaries, royal family members, prince and princesses from the Middle East. And then I was like, almost like the secret service secret service version to the present but to the private sector and then also my bodyguard and then right. it just 2008 it just ripped so in 2008 that's is, is that when things took off because you said you had the kind of the when the crash hit the market crash and you got affected by that is right. that when you that's when you went to la or yeah is- 2008 is when i went to la that's about when i went to la trying to get my feet wet you know doing some interviews and um, I had my first offer in that summer to work on a high-profile um, tr- Indian tribe down there. And uh, I had that offer. They say, you know, I was on the one of the largest security teams in the country next was, to the Secret Service. Was that, so was that, but when you left, when you left Oregon, were you still in kind of the mindset, I'm leaving to do something new, but I'm going to work for somebody else? Or had you already kind of, begin to say, mm, maybe I need to try doing my own thing at that point, or did that come later? That came later. That came through experiences, I think, working in the security world and getting exposed to the major players in the business mm-hmm. and getting their trust and then just basically getting promoted really quick. Right. And then I started seeing invoicing and hearing about what what was being billed for security you know, workers and all that. I'm like, right. wow, how much is being billed? How much did I make? How much do they make? Yes. Okay. So that, I think that's something critical. And um, that 
a lot of people don't think about, especially people who are working in positions in corporate who have a very, very specific skill, you know, that the company is literally being built around. They don't necessarily think about the aspect of what is the company making? Because obviously they have to be making more in order to sustain the company than the employees that they're paying. And so, uh, you know, for those of you listening out there, you know, if you're thinking about making that jump to something else, start thinking about the skills that you have. What are you being paid to do now? A lot of people think, oh, I can't start a business because I don't, I can't do anything. I don't know anything. Yes, you do. Somebody is likely paying you for a, a skill set right now that somebody else would be, you know, find valuable, you just would have to, you know, do the marketing yourself, which is not easy. It's not easy being an entrepreneur by any means. So um, I think that's, that's hugely important to kind of point out. All right. So in reading your story, I know you said a critical word in there, pivot. And um, just from, from kind of reading your chapter, I know that you had to pivot a few times, um, you know, just, just through the progression. And you mentioned about the Marine Corps being a, a critical kind of um, force that helps you to be able to do that. So, I mean, my husband's, my husband's, you know, former military, but I am not. And so, you know, I want to know, you know, what was it that was instilled in you that allowed you to be able to pivot? Because that's something that a lot of people had to do during the pandemic. And as an entrepreneur, quite frankly, you will have to do it several times just because of that's part of entrepreneurship. So what was it that helped you to do that? It was basically, it was a couple things. It was the foundation, the Marine Corps gave me in boot camp and that foundation of nothing can stop you. When you go through boot camp, you know, they're, they're stripping you of everything you got. But when you earn that title graduation date, you realize the, uh, that pain and the agony of that boot camp and what that was like, but you realize it was 90% mental and 10% physical. I mean, everything we go on in life is 90% mental, 10% physical. It's all Absolutely. in our heads. And what the Marine Corps gave me was that, I guess, trigger pull mm -hmm. in my, not my mind saying, there's nothing you can't get through. Nothing. Even in career, you get fired. I've, I've been I, in the security industry. I've been fired more than, more than I can count. Hey, somebody didn't like me. Competition didn't like me. I took someone's position and they had their partner going to get that position. You know, it's a dog eat dog industry mm -hmm. and it's ruthless. But the Marine Corps gave me a tenacity and a backbone to which it helped me overcome adversity. It helped me persevere and also mentorship by people, friends of mine that were multimillionaires, they think differently. They think it's the way they think. It's how they think. Okay. So please, please dive into that because um, I remember a phrase that you had in one of your chapters. You, you said W2 mindset versus owner mindset. What do you mean by that? Well, if you get around a business, business owner that's very successful, the biggest thing that's most important and valuable to them is mm -hmm. their time. It's ownership of their time. It's control of their time. It's control of time and money. And people in the workforce that work for a W-2, they don't understand that. They work for a living and they don't, they work paycheck to paycheck like a dribble. Well, every two weeks they get paid. Every two weeks they get paid. And because of that fact, a lot of people in the workforce don't comprehend, don't understand, and are often scared 
of that new world. Mm-hmm. Unless you've been mentored by somebody that's had that. That's why you look at many self-made, you know, generational wealth. The wealthy teach their young their own form of economics. But if you look at people who collect checks for a living, yeah, that's it's a generational. They hate to say it, but it's a generational curse because generations teach their own on how to create their own wealth. If you get around a multimillionaire, chances are that multimillionaire family is pretty into financially independent. But most people who collect a W two, they're financially broke because they don't understand the concept. It's not that they're stupid or mean; they just don't know what they don't know. And that's right. what happened to me is I got around, you know, power of association. I get around multimillionaires that had control of time and money and created an asset. People in the job world that collected a paycheck or W-2, they have not been trained how to do that. They don't know. Mm-hmm. No one has taught them. And it goes back to your education. How are you educated? Are you educated financially how to control money or does money control you? So there's two different financial educations you get also being an entrepreneur. And I have several friends that are multimillionaires is how they think. It's all about how you think. Mm-hmm. So when you were um, kind of going through your journey, your, your transitions, um, you know, 2008 hits, you're forced to find something different. But at that point in time, before that, you were in that kind of that W-2 mindset. Yes, you had friends, but it's one thing to have a friend who know who's doing something else and you see that it's possible. It's another thing to take that leap yourself personally. So what was it? I know that you, you know, we're doing some working with, uh, working for other companies, but eventually you did make that jump yourself. So what was it in you that made you say, I'm not going to be, I'm going to switch. I'm going to switch this mindset. I'm not going to be afraid. If you were ever afraid, um, you know, what, what made you make that shift? Here's, here's two thought processes that I went through. Am I going to build my boss's dream or am I going to build my own dream? Oh my goodness. Oh my, my husband, that's like one of his, his, his favorite kind of things to say. And he's got a, another less PC reference that he, <laughs> that he uses I can imagine. <laughs> but can I imagine. mean, but yeah, that's, but that's exactly it. You know, when people are, um, you know, working for another company, they are literally building out, helping someone else's dream to be lifted up. And while of course people do have their own dreams, even right. while they're working for someone else, sometimes I think people lose sight of that dream or their dream is limited to what they can do with what they're given in their current position versus thinking, like you said, with that different mindset, how can I take, cause there's nothing wrong with, you know, doing a nine to five, but it's also thinking about how can you also do more and what happens if that nine to five isn't there to support you that two, every two weeks that, that stops, that money stops coming. Um, you know, so what would you say, um, is something that someone who's on the cusp, you know, we're in, we're, we're, we're in, in living in a time now where, you know, COVID, COVID-19 has happened. Um, the world has been shaken up. Some people, you know, excelled, some people didn't, some people were fine, but then have had a shift in their priorities, you know? So what do you tell somebody who's kind of in that middle ground, you know, they've had an epiphany, a light, you know, COVID was life-changing and, T- spoiler alert, Mark's uh, story is 
it was life-changing. You know, the, the, thing, the thing that he talks about in his particular chapter um, was absolutely life-changing for him. And so I, I, you know, kind of in that vein, in that perspective, how do you, how do you help someone to not be afraid to take that leap into entrepreneurship or into something else, whatever that something else is that they're wanting to do? Well, you know, in the, my book, I say, hey, you only live once. You only get, you only get one shot at this thing called life. Mm-hmm. And do, is it going to take COVID-19? Is it going to take a family death? Is it going to take uh, a life-changing event for you to decide that you want to control your own destiny? Or are you going to wait for somebody else to tell you how to live your life and control your destiny? And that's where I came to my life. Like, the most, I was told the most expensive thing you'll ever buy in your life is your time back. Mm. And they were, they were right. I'm like, whoa, had I not spent the time to build out and I learned what the power of duplication was and that took some time, but it took belief. It mm-hmm. took belief in myself that, you know, you are in, almost invisible that you can accomplish great things, but you have to, you have to have a belief and buy-in that people buy into you and having that Marine Corps background and having the the knowledge sewed into me by that power of association and people that were in very high statuses, well, not high statuses, but they had control of some of their time because they made smart decisions in business or in life and having them mentor me, you learn little secret sauces. You learn little secret recipes that help you make good decisions for yourself. Mm-hmm. As I was taught, you know, taught long ago is, uh, show me your, you know, coach and mentor. I'll show you your future. Whatever advice they're giving you, look at their life now. Is that the life you really want? Right. Do they have a great marriage? Do they have a great relationship? Or they divorced a couple of times? And if they're giving you bad advice, look how they live their life. Because I guarantee you, if you're, they're giving you advice now, and you're, let's say you're 20 years old, and they're 40, 50, and they're just pissed off at the world, I wouldn't know, know if I'd want to follow that lifestyle. Or their advice, because that's, is that fruit on their tree? Is that credibility? Is that the fruit on their tree that you want in your life? So I learned that a long time ago. That's probably the best uh, creds of anybody, you know, looking at anybody at their lifestyle to figure out what I want. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have a lot of these college education professors, highly qualified people. But, hey, is that the life you want? Do you, say you want to be a doctor. Maybe you want to be a doctor and save lives in the ER. Maybe be, a, you know, a surgeon because that's your passion. You're gifted in that. You have the natural God-given uh, strength to do that. There's nothing wrong with that. But right. make, make your passion what you send you truly in your DNA. If you're trying to be a, a professional coach and you're an introvert and made to be an engineer, maybe you know, dial it back a little bit and fi- find out your identity. Because I think people get lost in finding their identity. And the journey with my dad was like, you kind of lose yourself in that journey of his, him badly brain cancer. And had I not built out that asset that I had, I could not spend, you know, seven day, six days a week with them, eight right. hours a day. And if for, I had not built, built that and, business. Yeah. For you, your, the asset was your business. You had that in play so that when life did happen, you, you know, you were able to still manage. I mean, of course it was, you were a caregiver, you know, full-time. So that was extremely challenging. I, I can only imagine, 
but entrepreneurship allowed you to be able to do that. No nine to five is going to just let you take off for, you know, four years to take care of someone else. And so, um, you know, I think that's, if nothing more, you know, just a testament to people to really think about the life that you have, the life that you want, and think about the control, how much control you really have over those things right now. And if you don't have as much control as you might would need in case the unthinkable happens, then you might want to, you know, kind of shift some of the things that you're doing so that you have options, right? Right. And the, what I found out too, is the most powerful person on this planet is a debt-free man and woman. Ooh. Once you're cleared of debt, you have zero debt in your life, you owe no man or woman. Think about that for a minute. You have zero debt. You know how much power that is in your business? You owe nobody anything. And that's what I, one thing that was the most powerful thing I ever learned from you know these entrepreneurs that I knew. The most powerful person on the planet is a, a debt-free man and woman. Right. Because you're not, you're not, you don't feel restricted. You don't feel as, as um, required, if you will, you know, to, to have to keep that job because you have to pay for this and because you have to do that. So um, there absolutely is, um, you know, tremendous power in that. Oh my goodness. That's, that's a nugget. So those of you listen, listen to Mark. <laughs> that's, that's like, that's powerful because a lot of people, um, you know, with everything that's happened in the world, they were either, they're either struggling to hold on to things or they have lost things and they're mourning those losses and they're things, but that was the key word, they're things. And there were Absolutely. things that were tying to tying them. And sometimes those losses of those things can actually be freeing. It's like you were saying, part of that journey is, um, you know, sometimes it's not, it's not, it's not easy. Everything will not be pleasant. Your experiences are not pleasant. You, you know, had jobs and lost jobs and competition and the, you know, like all of that. And I'm sure none of, most of that was not things that you would have chosen. However, it brought you to where you are. And in, in those scenarios, you know, those losses can, can give you more freedom than what you would have ever had, had those things never happened. So I think that's, that's, really powerful. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your podcast. So you have the Fearless Mindset Podcast. Tell us a little bit about kind of what you talk about with that. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that the podcast, because originally a, a buddy of mine that's a producer of it, he said, hey, you'll land your best client ever. You, you'll land your, have your guest on, it's your potential client, land and get a contract and get business. And that was the premise of the whole thing when I first began it. And then a year later, uh, this uh, today, Mark, I think marks the a year anniversary with the podcast. So I can celebrate that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, we were ranked numbered in the top 10% globally with listen notes. That was like two months ago. And um, the beauty of that thing was, I think I evolved. I changed. I grew. I got over myself. I got over my own fears. And I, the first 10 episodes were the worst because <laughs> I was struggling dealing with Mark Ludlow getting over doing this, looking at the camera. Now I don't even look at the camera anymore. I just talk, you know. And the, the, what the podcast basically was a gift for me, for my father, who was fearless in his life and everything that he did in his life. He was fearless. And, you know, 
when that launched, you know, COVID-19 hit, and I usually do uh, conferences, and I go to security conferences and uh, meet people to get business. And that was the, the original premise of the idea of the podcast. But what it turned out to be is doing discovery conversations with each guest to find out how they overcame adversity, how they overcame, like, I love talking with Frank Muir, you know, two-time world heavyweight champion with the UFC. And the guy has no fear. He just, nothing scares him. And he's a, you know, multimillionaire. And, but he was afraid to take chances in the cage and face objection. And, you know, he's, he's been through a lot of stuff. I mean, the guy's been through a lot. But he's a perfect example of a, a normal guy overcoming so much adversity and making the best out of crap, you know. And, you know, I have that Navy SEALs. I had Mike Trott, who's a mentor of mine in the security world. He was my first guest who helped launch it. And with the podcast, what I learned, too, it's not about the host. It's about the guest. And the minute you figure that out, it's so empowering because nobody really cares about what Mark Ledlow thinking. It's about, holy crap, you have that Navy SEAL guy, Brink Gleason, or um, Juan Gonzalez, instructor mm-hmm. on the Navy SEAL teams. Because the audience wants to hear these powerful stories of these guys and gals overcoming adversity and being fearless in their life and what that looks like. That's, that's an impact. That's powerful. And those are stories that, you know, will impact many, you know, ears and eyeballs if they're watching and listening to the podcast. But it was, for me, it was, it was actually a learning process of um, how not to be scared, how not to be afraid of your own shadow when you get on the, the camera and look at the camera and it's recording at you with a little white light. And it's being able to psychologically block it out and just share your story. Right, right. The medium is the most powerful thing. And now I have the podcast and I, I want to use it to impact millions of people's lives, especially our vets. Our veterans are the most probably precious commodity our country has. And yet they have the highest divorce rate with, or not highest divorce rate, highest suicide rate with PTSD and those type of mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what? Why not use my platform to impact millions of people's lives all around the world? And right. that takes a book co-authoring a book and bringing on some great guests on but it's not about me it's about the guest and serving that guest and their message to the world and that's what i figured out you know i think i'm episode 50 now and gina Congratulations. L. Osborne, thank you yeah it's been fun i mean gina l osborne we just released her podcast yesterday and she's a retired fbi agent former espionage spy for the army in germany and she has an amazing story and uh I'm highlighting a lot more ladies in business in the, this fall. So that's going to be exciting. I got a lot of people from Clubhouse coming on. So everybody's yeah. jumping, jumping in the, on the, the wait list to get, get on. But it's been <laughs> um, very enriching, very powerful. Very good. Very good. So how can people connect with you if they are wanting to check out the podcast? Where can they listen? Uh, just um, we're on High Heart Radio. The easiest way is type in Mark Ludlow on your search. And uh, I just trademarked the fearless mindset, got the letter from the government like two weeks ago. So we're officially trademarked. Yes. And so we'll be selling some books with uh, Linda West here soon, Linda Sunshine West. So we'll be pushing the books out probably on that website eventually. And I'm on, uh, you can find me on Instagram at the fearless mindset podcast. I'm on Instagram. 
can find me on LinkedIn, Mark Ludlow. And then, uh, yeah, the website is called uh, www.fearlessmindsetpodcast.com. But it's easy enough just to Google my name in Apple. We're in Apple, iHeartRadio, and Amazon. We're all over the place. So I think we're up to 50 episodes. So thanks for asking. Of course, of course. Well, I know that you have, uh, you know, had a long day and then topped off with the tech issues that I put you through. I apologize. All right. All good. It all (laughs) worked out. Definitely. Definitely. I so appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today. Um, For those of you listening and watching, you can read Mark's full story and mine too in the book, The Fearless Entrepreneurs, Fearless, Be More. Um, You can find more by looking in the show notes or you can visit theloftyentrepreneur.com forward slash the fearless entrepreneurs to grab your copy and learn more. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate you. Have a good one. All right. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you.